With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everyone and welcome to the Bollywood Cinema Club, a bi-weekly show where we take a look at Indian cinema, be it Bollywood, Tollywood, or Kaliwood, and, well, everything in between. I am your host, Chris Stashew. I am the host of the Culture Cast, where this show spun off from. So if you want to hear more episodes of Indian cinema that aren't the Bollywood Cinema Club, the Culture Cast would be the place to go. Speaking of people that have talked about Indian cinema with me over on the Culture Cast and here... I am joined on this episode by my good friend. He is the host of his own insanely successful movie podcast. It is. It is. Don't. There's no laughter here. The laughter from you is is. Uh, I, I don't know. Unwarranted. <laughs> my good friend and soon to be yours if you've never heard him before. The host of the Projection Booth Podcast, Mike White. I'm so evil. I'm twirling my mustache. Literally. <laughs> Oh, my God. And on this episode of the Bollywood Cinema Club, we're going to be taking a look at a film from 1998 directed by Rajkumar Santoshi called China Gates. Film is, like I mentioned, directed by Rajkumar Santoshi, based off a screenplay by Rajkumar Santoshi, Anjuman Rajibali and KK Raina. And it stars a whole lot of people. It is an ensemble cast, friends. It is an ensemble cast of 10 rugged, older, disgraced military men who take it upon themselves to save a city from the nasty, mustache-twirling dacoit that is Jagira. And uh, yeah, (laughs) right. It's like Cholet with eight more people. It's totally Cholet. (laughs) Thank you so much for just putting that out there. It's just Cholet with eight more people. Yeah. I mean, it's the Seven Samurai. They actually acknowledge uh, Akira Kurosawa at the beginning of the film, not in the rating credits, but... That was kind of nice that they had a little like for yeah. the late Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, Mike, uh, let's talk a little bit about China Gate. This is something that we've kind of been trying to do for a while because this movie is not exactly easy to get a hold of uh, at all, frankly. Even to watch it with uh, English subs was um, an uphill battle because uh, they were they were they there was never a point when I was watching it where they were really synced up very well. So. No. 
<laughs> so this movie was kind of hard to watch, which is gonna, it's gonna unfortunately affect probably our feelings on the movie, but that out of the way right at the top, because most of the time when we talk about movies, I normally say Netflix or Prime Video or even YouTube, because this is on YouTube, but you're not going to have any idea if you're looking for English subs where to find them, because they're literally in one spot on the internet, and they're not very good either. Uh, all that out of the way, Mike, what did you think about finally sitting down to watch China Gate, which you had to buy? I did buy this one. I had had this one a long time ago. A friend of mine had recommended it. And it's funny because he also recommended Cholet. So he must have known that I'm a big Seven Samurai fan. It was just like, oh, here's two movies that you'll like. Right. And China Gate, very unusual film because there's only one song in the whole thing, which was amazing. I was just like, what the hell is going on? It was like an hour into it. I was like, did I miss something? Did I buy the wrong version of this movie? There's no song in this. Um, and yeah, my version on DVD subtitles are probably better than yours, though they were in a serif font, which was kind of weird. And the picture was what do they call that window box or something. It was like, there was black bars on the side as well as the top and bottom. And I was looking for that feature I used to have on my DVD player where you could like blow up the image a little bit. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, if you just made it a little bigger, it would take up the whole width. It was definitely encoded before widescreen TVs were a thing. Um, all that said, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I do love the seven samurai. I grew up watching battle beyond the stars that, uh, Corman, uh, version of the seven samurai. I think he might've done a couple, but yeah, I, I, I like this one a lot, though. I miss the song and dance stuff, which was weird for me to say, because that used to be the thing where it's just like, oh, my God, here they go singing again. But now I kind of dig it. Mike is, as a seasoned film goer, is now more uh, interested in watching them having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to have a sense of joy in these. There wasn't a lot of joy in this film. Well, you know, that's that is the thing, you know, mentioned. It kind of feels unfair now to mention Cholet because Cholet is what do you say? I mean, Cholet is just fucking amazing. It's, it's got, epic. Yeah, it's got everything that you want and it has Amitabh Bakshi. So there you go. I mean, it has everything. Fantastic villain, fantastic music, great charisma, but and, and kind of chemistry between everybody, including the two main leads. It's kind of unfair because this movie really does live in the shadow of Cholet, unfortunately, in my mind. But that being said, I did like this movie a fair amount, primarily because of all of the cast. Oh, yeah. The four, the four main leads, Om Puri, Amrish Puri, Naziruddin Shah, and Danny Dingzongpa, I have seen them in other things, obviously. Amrish Puri, for many Westerners, is going to be known for it. literally ones, Molaram and Doom. Nazi Rudin Shah, I just saw him in Sarfarash, which was, he was fantastic there, but he playing a very different character. And then Danny Dingzongpa was in Entheron, or Robo, as the villain. And I'm trying to remember what I saw Om Puri in, but these are like the big actors for their time all coming together at least the first three, maybe not so much Danny Dzongpa, but the first three, Ampuri, Amrishpuri, and Nazirudin Shah, them three together on screen, whenever they're on screen together, is fantastic. And that honestly, for me, feels like what the movie should have been really leaning on even more than it did is those interactions between the leads. Because, yeah, these are the some of the biggest names in Indian cinema from the 80s and 70s, all together on screen. I was just so happy that I managed to pick up some of the things that are there, but not spelled out, at least for a while, like the whole thing of the one guy being a Muslim. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I, for some reason, I don't know what tipped me off, but I was just like, he stands apart from these other guys and I can't exactly tell why, but there was something about him where there, there was some line or something where I was just like, oh, okay. And it might've been like something about what he eats or something like that. But, and then him just getting tormented and having his house burned down. I was like, each one of these guys doesn't have anything to live for. This was like a very good seven samurai. It was seven samurai mixed a little bit with, and I hate to say this, the expendables, but I mean, these guys are expendable. These guys are old. One guy's on the verge of suicide when he gets that very fateful knock at the door. Literally. Deus ex door knock. (laughs) And like none of them really, I mean, there's the one younger guy whose dad was part of this outfit that these guys were with i don't think we necessarily do we ever really get the history of why they were all court-martialed at because of the china gate incident they just left they like abandoned their platoon is kind of what they say it's like i couldn't tell if it's because they abandoned it or they just weren't successful in what they were doing Mm, yeah i wasn't sure i kept waiting for like a flashback about maybe two hours and 15 minutes into this Mm. movie to tell us what really happened and to make it that we even care more about these guys because of what happened at China gate. It feels like that was a real missed opportunity, but to your point, it's a little paths of glory. Like something happened and these guys took the fall and you can just tell because they seem like very noble people, like they got the shaft, but we're not exactly sure why. And yeah, I really wish they explored that a little bit more. But I love that shot of Anupam Kerr at the beginning of the movie ripping Om Puri's awesome. jacket. Yes. Just, it's so good. I, you know, I, Anupam Kerr is not in the movie very much. It's a what they would call a special appearance. Obviously, he was in DDLJ, played Shah Rukh Khan's dad in that film. Fantastic actor in his own right. But yeah, it's it very much is trying to remember the the american movie that has like ernest borgnine in it you know what i'm talking about where they're like it's not dirty dozen but it's isn't this again this is like an ensemble this is a western right i guess the wild bunch yeah the wild bunch right yeah Mm -hmm. that's kind of seven samurai in and of itself right everything's kind of these kinds of things are all kind of just inspired by seven samurai right i mean the thing that i usually like about those and like what i like about seven samurai is the gathering of the team Mm -hmm. we don't have that too much because all of these guys already know each other right there's also the the character who is the outsider uh you could say the Shishiro Mifune character from uh, Mm -hmm. The Seven Samurai. And with this, it's the younger guy, like I was saying before. And I like that he's kind of the outsider and the way that he eventually gets integrated into the group after he really lets the one guy have it when he's drunk. I I think all of these dynamics work pretty well, is what I'm trying to say. I agree. Uh, Samir Sony as uh, Uditanshu Tadan, the the kind of the, I'm just here because my dad's dead. (laughs) Which I, I love... I love that kind of character where it's like you are the stand-in for someone else. But again, like you said, by the end of it, he become he becomes part of the group in a in a massive. You know, I'm I'm with you. I you know the thing about these kinds of movies is exactly what you said: the idea of like bringing a team together, all these different personalities, big, small, and everything in between, and you get to see those personalities play off of one another. I like these kinds of movies, and I think this one is a very successful one in spite of some weird choices. Like mm. you said, the thing with the music, because, man, Chama Chama is such a well-known song, such a amazing song. It shows up in Baz Luhrmann's films later on. Right. It's, it's, I mean, I would 
think in a lot of ways, Chama Chama has kind of exceeded the film in a lot of ways. Like the song itself is probably more popular than the movie is now. I'm sure it still gets play today. I mean, it's it's a catchy earworm of a tune. It almost feels like it doesn't belong in this movie, like it at all. So it does like, and I originally, the way that it's shot, I'm like, okay, these are the villagers and they're having a little celebration, even though it's like not quite the time to <laughs> celebrate. The bad guy is captured, but like bad guys get captured all the time in these guys. Things. Exactly. That ensures nothing. And then all of a sudden, um, I'm trying to remember the, the lady's name. Um, Urmila Motandkar, uh, who we just saw in Rangila a few right. months yeah. or however long ago that was. Almost a year ago now. Oh my God. She's, <laughs> she's so gorgeous. I love looking at her and she looks amazing. This outfit and the song is fantastic. And I'm like, it feels like it doesn't even belong to this movie. Then all of a sudden our soldier guys show up and I was like, oh, okay, this is shot for the movie. It felt like it was shot for something else. And they just kind of slid it right inside of here. Yeah. And even then it's like, they don't do a whole lot of like dancing and singing. They're just kind of like standing around. It's not a real, like she dances, she sings all the people behind her dance and sing, but our main characters don't join in where it's just like, boom, let's go. And we're dancing and going crazy. No, they're just pretty like standing around. Other than Amrish Puri, who really belts it out. I appreciate oh, that's it. True. He just goes for it. It's I, I think Amrish Puri may be one of my favorite Indian actors, period. I mean, the look of him, obviously, again, I'm a little biased, because, but I'm also really biased because he is uh, Kajol's father in DDLJ, and that, and he's one of the biggest parts of that movie, and one of the more memorable relationships is the relationship that him and Shah Rukh Khan have together in that film, and, and their scenes together are electric. And this is like mm-hmm. a young Shah Rukh Khan, too, like up against Amrish Puri, who in 1992, he was Amrish Puri then. Shah Rukh Khan was not SRK then, he was Shah Rukh. Right. But Amrish Puri and Om Puri in this movie elevate it a lot. I just, yeah, that, I don't, I don't know. I know why there's a musical number in this movie, but now we see contemporary Indian cinema that doesn't have it. Like right. Sardar Udham, Andhandhun only has two or three songs and they're more or less diegetic in the way that they're presented. Like, I, I understand and appreciate the need and and maybe the wanting of the filmmakers to include a musical number in a movie like this, but it it's almost, it almost, overshadows parts of me and how good it is and again the song alone ends up being so popular that again it's like a lot of things where people don't know what it's from they just know mm-hmm. the song and that's that's it I, the fact that this movie is rather hard to find is in my mind kind of an indicator of maybe where this movie is remembered in indian cinema and that's unfortunate because it, it when it came out very successful, very well regarded. So it's not like this movie wasn't a, 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 a successful movie. And at the time, it was the most expensive Bollywood film ever made. Wow. So this this was a big deal when it came out. So I guess they felt obligated to have a musical number. But the fact that it's like on the box or the poster for the movie and it's one scene is right. a tad odd, Frank. Yeah, because the way that it looks like uh, she's in every scene, she's the woman that they're all going to desire or something. And that's not the case at all. I mean, she is not the, um, it's a Mamta uh, Kalkarni or something. The, the, the woman from the village who comes to them and says, I need your help because we're being 
terrorized by this this villain around mm. here. Oh, the the and, one whose father gets right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and she eventually becomes the love interest of the younger guy. So they've got that story going on, though not a lot. Like it really doesn't become very much of a love story. It's more of a we have two young people that are here together. Her father's dead. His father's dead. They would make a natural couple. I found it more interesting. The one character who was very concerned about the little girl who was selling like little animals that she was making and her uncle was having her go out there and her uncle's just this layabout and keeps threatening to sell her. I love that whole relationship that was going on there. And when they use the uncle to uh, set them up with the villain, I was like, oh man. So I, I really... There were some good turns, and I was very emotionally invested in this film. I was too, you know, and obviously it really does just go to the the main cast of the ten. I know we've talked about the big ones, but then you have someone like Tino Andon who plays the guy with the dog, essentially. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> the guy too. with the dog is the only way to put it. But yeah, yeah, and and they're like again, it's not that they're minor characters, but they're not given as much time as again. I think Om Puri and Amrish Puri. And I would go as far as to say Nazi Rudenshaw and Danny Denzongpa are the main actors. And then everybody else kind of is a secondary or third, even like tertiary. Even the tertiary characters out of the 10 still get moments, even if it's, you know, right before they die is kind of what it feels like in Subway. Yeah. Which is this is this movie, this type of movie in a nutshell in a lot of ways. But I do like how they do really give Every single one of those 10 characters, a distinctive point of view and persona that unlike something like, say, the fantasy equivalent of Seven Samurai, The Hobbit, mm -hmm. like those characters in that movie get lost. They're not unique. And this movie oh, can yeah. show you no. there's here's this is what too shy of that. Yeah. And yeah. there's and each of these characters is a unique character that has an interesting persona that stands out from the other ones. And that's not easy to do. And that is I mean, that for me is one of the biggest successes on Rajkumar Santoshi's part is the writing of. Them. Yeah. And this takes place over a period of three hours, not nine hours like those hobbits where, yeah, you got the old one, you got. Durin or whatever the guy's name is. And then you got the one who's trying to make it with the elf. The rest of them, you got the fat one, the one with the beard. Oh, wait, no, they all have beards <laughs> except for that one guy. So yeah, it's like, yeah, no, they, they, they definitely do a better job being more economical here, introducing these characters, keeping your interest. Some of the things that we have, like the bus ride to the actual place that they're going, uh, while the train and then the bus. And just how they're bickering and you can tell they're not a team at that point, how it takes all of these incidents to make them come together and finally be able to defeat evil. Yeah, to your point, evil is very difficult to defeat that. It takes a few times and especially because there's corruption in the system and that one of the local policemen is totally in bed with this guy, not literally, but totally in bed with this guy to just be like, oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm taking you to jail and lets him go. It's like, okay, off you go again to cause more havoc. And yeah. he's a great villain. He is just total id the whole time. Like I said, mustache twirling. He doesn't really have a mustache. He's got that huge, big, great, big, bushy beard, but <laughs> he's just, man, oh man, he, he's, he's really enjoying being bad. Yeah, Mukesh Tiwari is as good as the villain is in Sholay. That, that this movie and Sholay do have a lot of things in common, but one of the things it really shares is a just nasty bastard, dirty, like, again, he feels like a, what would be in like a Western, an American Western, like the 
banditos, essentially, like he, oh, like yeah. hiding out in the rocks, wait, you know, enforcing his will upon the villagers and ultimately, you know, just causing havoc. He, it's it's it could have been a thankless role if the person doing it wasn't really going for it. But Mukesh Tiwari just goes for it every time he's on screen. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's fantastic. I was just saying I was very surprised that he doesn't have more of like a second in command that is very recognizable because that's always a trope mm-hmm. or even oh, maybe yeah. even a third, you know, like you get your what Ramon plus his two brothers in uh, something like Fistful of Dollars. Right. And it's like, okay, you know, we, we know that what's going to go and they're going to play against each other or like try to be the better brother. Doesn't happen here, but that's okay. Well, I mean, they have the the cop, right, right. who is, I guess, kind of his second in command, but he never really gets his comeuppance in a satisfying way, given that he essentially causes the death of Nazi Rudin Shah's character, Sarfaraz. So mm-hmm. he doesn't, I don't feel like he gets his comeuppance, unfortunately. He doesn't. He needs a very painful death. Right. Given what ends up happening to Nazi Rudin Shah, just getting brutalized after Jagira is let go intentionally. You know, and and the 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 thing that you mentioned about there not being a second in command, I think the, the my my only complaint or biggest complaint, if you want to put it that way, Teak with the movie is a little. It's, oh, yeah. It's it is a two hour and 47 minute. It's it's a long movie. And I don't know if it justifies two hours. I was I was up for it just because I remember the original Seven Samurai takes about three hours to get mm-hmm. through, I think. Um, but I was surprised because I was like, well, it's an Indian movie. There's going to be five dance numbers at least. No. So then that's when the it was, expectation. Yeah. So then when it was an hour in and I'm just like, no singing, no dancing. What's going on? And I was like, really, is this going to be three hours with no music? This is kind of wild because yeah, I'm used to, you know, all of these Indian films are very long. Usually I don't think I've ever sat through goes three hours, maybe DDLJ, baby. It's three hours and like 12 minutes. I did. I see DDLJ. I don't think so. You should. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's, if you're going to watch one romantic comedy in Indian cinema, it's going to be either. DDLJ or Cooch Cooch Hota High, which is essentially DDLJ spiritual sequel. So I don't I don't know if you've seen it. I wondered. I always kind of wondered if you had because it feels like something someone would have told you to see at some point. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. I, I need to see it because I know you've brought it up several times over our recordings and it sounds great. So I'll definitely check it out. Is that one on Netflix? It's on Prime Video. I okay. Think. Yeah. And okay. and that I feel like, again, like I really can't stress enough how fucking hard it is finally like that would almost be for me a disqualifier in a little way. Like, and that, you know, that's on me as the person doing this show and programming the show. Cause I've never, I never wanted to make this show where people couldn't go out and watch the movie. Cause the point of this show, one of the police is you can go watch these two and you should. And there's absolutely no way to watch this movie, which is a shame. And that's a problem. And it's more surprising than anything else, given the amount of star power on screen, not just the caliber. Yeah, I I felt bad, frankly, when it was this hard to find it. And why? Why is it this hard to find? It's not a bad movie. It's a great movie. Is it just the lack of songs? Is that what happened to it? I have no idea. I, I don't understand. It was, again, really well regarded when it came out. It The reviews at the time are... 
about how good the writing is and how Rajkumar really lands, you know, the direction of this kind of movie. Not that he hadn't made this kind of movie before, but he was kind of working all over the place. He'd make action movies and dramas and comedies. But then, I mean, again, this is the biggest budget Indian film, Bollywood time. So a big expectation here. It is surprising that like even that qualifier alone doesn't make it more popular or the fact that the the song alone being so popular doesn't cause people to ask, where did this come from? What movie is this from? But then again, like we've already kind of mentioned, you can watch the musical number completely out of context and get get the same out of it that you would if you were watching it in the context of the film. Right. Cool. I was surprised. I, it's not on, I was surprised it wasn't on Eros now or. Again, all, almost all the movies we've ever done on this show are on YouTube, but most of them don't have subtitles in English. There are some that do, and we'll be doing episodes on some of those movies because we've already kind of, I've already looked ahead and programmed them. And there are some movies on YouTube with perfect English subtitle. This is not one of them. There's not even a very good copy of this on YouTube. I mean, the, the one copy that's out there is decent, but none of this should be this hard for a movie that came out post 90s, even in India. Right. Yeah. It should be right there for us. But yeah, I was very surprised. And the versions that are out on YouTube, are they dubbed or are they original? They're original language. Okay. That's good at least. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's no dubs or there's no dubs or anything of this. So it, that's kind of the only, you know, other than the length of the movie being just a, a little long in the tooth, but that's because again, I was expecting, I was expecting more spectacle of a different kind, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, with the musical numbers and again, Musical numbers aren't guaranteed in Indian cinema, but they add a flavor to the film that is, again, like we said, not expected, but it's definitely like yearned for when you're watching a movie. Like I watched another film, Sardar Udham, which came out last year, and it has no music, but it's wow. more or less very, it's, it's contemporary Indian filmmaking based on like, you know, a lot of western ideas and western ways of doing things and again when we think of indian cinema a lot of westerners think of just you know women dancing and songs and that's it they they can't even fathom that there are movies like this an action or or and i don't know it's it's weird to me because when people think of like Japanese cinema or Chinese cinema, if they even do, unfortunately, in this country, so ethnocentric about Western cinema, at least where they only speak English. I just wonder what the other stereotypes are for those cinema. Like, what's a Japanese cinema stereotype? Like, I don't even, right. what does that even mean? But for Indian cinema, the stereotype is there's going to be musical numbers to the point where every time I've had someone on this show, we end up having a variation of this conversation. And it's always interesting to hear everybody else's kind of perception going into something like this because everybody's perception is exactly what you've said. I was expecting there to be X in a quantity of Y and there was X in the quantity of much less than Y in a way that now it's it's ex more acceptable and kind of understood now. But at the time, like the, again, the musical number is good, but at the time, like I can't help but wonder like, yeah, the people that went to see this may have been kind of disappointed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I watched uh, Zinda, um, the Indian version of old boy, there were, cause I was just like, oh my God, ha 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 old boy with song and dance. And there are songs in it that are somewhat featured, but they're more like you were saying, more diegetic at points or like a guy's rushing across to get from one place to another and there's a big song that's playing. It's not like there's any sort of choreography when it comes, there's no dancing, basically. I mean, like in Dongol. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which they're actually like, that could, that could have worked. 
and mm-hmm. it works. It it really works well in Dongal. Like I didn't. It's not that in that movie I wouldn't have liked to have the characters, you know, doing a musical number together. But mm-hmm. the way that they do it through the montage, it totally makes sense in the kind of the narrative that they're telling. They could have done that. They could have exactly. done something similar because we do have essentially ten opportunities to have ten different kinds of songs or one montage song of them all coming together. And I don't know how that didn't happen because that's that for me is like a weird thing that totally should have happened. Well, yeah. Can you imagine if they each had like their own type of theme or something and they started to blend together as the characters were going, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the movie, the movie that seemingly we would have, I guess. It's it's weird because, again, they're so interesting and they're all such fun characters that you want to see kind of the more not fun side of them, but you want to see them doing less things directly in related to plot of Jagira dealing with the town and being a nuisance. You want to see them just, like you've already mentioned, just kind of hanging out with each other. Those are the best parts of the movie is when they're just kind of all together training because they end up having to train at one point because, you know, old dudes in their 70s, I guess, completely out of shape after the military, they're all having to go and run around. There's another opportunity song about how they're all out of shape and beaten up. Like, movie, like, you're two hours and 47 minutes long. Yeah, we are trying to help you out. Yeah, and that's the thing with something like this. You know, if you think about it, five musical numbers, those musical numbers tend to be three to five minutes. That's almost 20, 25 minutes sometimes. Even a half an hour of your movie is musical numbers. That's why I was expecting this movie is as long as it you said. Fuck me, I guess. (laughs) Me and my expectation. I think the movie does a bad job of setting your expectations just with the poster, just with what that is. Like it, it should be all of them on the post, like that you can see. Not you know, Umila Mondakar doing the little doing her hand. Like it's great, but I don't know. I've I I'm glad that I'm seeing more Indian cinema that is challenging me to not just say, oh my God, this is amazing. I love it. I want to see it. I'm glad that I'm seeing more movies that are kind of not as successful as some of the other ones that I've seen. This one, I think, though, is still pretty successful, even in spite of the length of the movie. I think there is enough there with those just interacting with each other. I mean, again, like the action scenes, I, I don't know. I, I what, did, what what was, what, it's an action movie. What did you, what was kind of your thoughts on the action? I was hoping that they have a little bit more. I was hoping that they would have like right when they get to town that something happens. You know, we've we've got the establishment of how bad our bad guy is, but I was hoping almost as soon as they get to town that there was some sort of demonstration of just how awful he is. Even maybe if they lost a guy right off the bat or something, right. that would be something. Um, because of course, you know, nobody can make it through this. You know, there, there are very few people that make this through this movie alive and say, um, half of them. Yeah. I think it's five or six people on that bush, but even then one of those people might have, might be the girl, so it might just be the four of the guys make it out. I don't know. It's uh, Alm Puri, Amrish Puri, and Danny Dings Dingzongpa make it out, and then I and then Samir Sony does as well. And I think I the guy with the so... dog does right. Tinu Andhan does as well. That's yeah, it. You can't kill the dog. That no. that was one thing I almost looked up. I almost went to d- does the dog die.com and see if uh he makes it out. Good thing. Um it was the um the guy with the cancer. He ends up making it out. And I'm just like, "Wait, no, of all people, he should go." Right. Nope. I, no, that was very surprising. I think that's what it was. I think it was something to do with the blood of the Muslim guy because there's the blood of the guy because they need a transfusion at one point. There's the guy with the cancer is like, I can't give you my blood. And that's a very 
big moment. And I want to say that it might they might say something about the Muslim guy at that point. Did you recognize Viju Kote, the, the gunner, as one of Gabar Singh, one of the dudes Gabar Singh kills in Cholet when they're doing the Russian roulette scene? No. Yeah. Which is oh, so wow. funny that he's one of like the one of the 10 guys in this movie, but I'm pretty sure he's one of the ones that doesn't make it out. Okay. Yeah, but I just, it cracked me up because I had to like go and look and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the guy from Cholet who Gabar Singh just like kills in that, in that the kind of one of the more memorable scenes of that movie, the Russian roulette scene. Um, but I, yeah, yeah, it's, it, the, some of the choices are kind of strange. I, you know, I know why Nazi Rudin Shah's character dies because he is a main character, but I like Nazi Rudin Shah so much as an actor that I didn't want to see him kind of not make it to at least the climax of the movie. Right. But again, to up the stakes and to really hammer home how bad of a Kai Jagir is as if it's impaling people on things and cutting their heads and arms and shit. It's just, yeah. it's, there's not a lack of bloodshed in the movie and like no. body parts getting rended from their human owners. I mean, Jesus Christ, Jagira just goes, goes and just makes. So he cuts one guy's hands off. He cuts another dude's head off. And then Nazi Rudin Shah, he just like shoots him what, it's only like two times, but it feels like it takes much longer to kill him in a rather extended death scene that, I mean, at times is a little hard to watch, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're just fucking playing with him, playing with their food. But it's not a movie without blood, at least go kind of gory, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a little surprising for me because I'm not used to that necessarily. Well, it, it just feels in a lot of ways, Indian cinema is just is very matter of fact. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you cut someone's hand off and blood's going to shoot out. Yeah, you and know, in, in a Western movie, it would probably, depending on the rating, right? Your hand gets cut off in a PG-13 movie. You don't bleed, wrap it up, or you don't show it or something. And here, it's just very matter of fact. Dude's running. Guy gets said. Guy gets sands. That's just. It, it's kind of strange, but it works tonally with this. But they kind of do get into hot water sometimes where it'll be in a movie that like it tonally doesn't make any sense. Like in PK, there's a scene like a character gets blown up in a bomb in this movie about Amir Khan playing an alien. Right. And it's it like completely comes out of nowhere. I know you've seen it. And it's just like such a strange story. But again, it's so matter of fact that it's just like, yep. And that's what happened. And that's the way it is. Like, I, I kind of get the sense and get the feeling that like that's a that is for me has been a reoccurring theme with Indian cinema of just we're just going to sometimes just kind of show you the way it is, not try to stylize it or I guess de or sanitize because they don't have to show they don't have to show all the blood and gore in this movie. They they choose to, which is perfectly fine. It's just it is kind of just weird. Yeah, it is. It feels a little out of left field at times. I don't have a whole lot more to say about no, this. No, I don't either. And like, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed by that because it's just, it was, oh, it was a okay movie in a lot of ways that probably is three or four notches higher just primarily because of the act. You know, like this, this plot, this story is not anything unique again, to the point where it's literally paying homage to Seven Samurai in the credit. So these movies only really work if you can cast the right people. Case in point that, uh, what was that movie that came out the year you and I were at uh, TIFF? That remake, the the remake of oh, one of these. The was it the yeah, Magnificent Seven. Yeah, like yeah. that movie came out, and the only reason anybody would go see it is because of who they would cast, and they cast like you know Chris Pratt and blah blah blah, all these big name actors. This is the same thing. You're coming to see this movie for who's cast in it not what they're doing. Right. And I think this movie does a good enough job of keeping you engaged throughout. 
but some of the story beats don't really pay off and like the thing with the guy had like some of the stuff with some of the village people i think they maybe spend a little bit too much time with the police but it and i only say that because of how lacking and wanting i was with that payoff with that secondary villain it just kind of it it feels like they put all their eggs into the basket of jagira which makes perfect sense fantastic performance but if your movie is two hours and 47 minutes, you got to give us another conflict or a flashback or something more just to up the stakes. Because, again, the the chemistry between the characters is there. I just think the story, the story is not as exciting or as interesting as the actors interacting with each other, at least the main 10. And I think mm-hmm. that for me is coupled with the fact this movie is hard to find. Not say this movie is not worth checking out, but you want to watch something like this, just watch Sholay, which is either on Netflix or Prime, either one. But it's it's going to be there forever because it's one of the pillars of 70s Indian cinema. This movie, again, Chama Chama, that's, that's probably what most people, contemporary Indian teenagers and Indian people my age and your age, probably if they've never seen the movie, they have 100% heard the song because i'd heard the song without seeing this you had too especially if you've ever watched moulin rouge it's front and center in that movie frankly so yeah i think if i had to put them head to head chile would but i think china gate's got a lot to offer um but yeah as far as like going as far as we went and ordering the disc or downloading the movie and syncing up the subs and all that kind of stuff that you had to go through no don't bother. Like if it's if it's available on Netflix or Prime or Eros or any of those, I would say, yeah, it's worth your time, but don't go out of your way. Even if you could rent it for $2 on Prime Video, because exactly one of the later movies this month is I found it, but you could rent it for two bucks on Prime Video too. And, you know, with synced up English subs and that, you know, again, that might not sound like much if you're listening to this film and or you're listening to this podcast and you can speak Hindi. And you don't right. have to worry about subtitles, but the fact that it's hard to find these movies dubbed is a unintentional stumbling block to finding some of them. Because I, I get it's not that I didn't anticipate it. Obviously, I had been dealing with it for the last three years, mm-hmm. but I had been making sure in the last three years that it was Prime or Netflix or Eros. And the moment you deviate away from one of those is you kind of just jump into the deep end and hope and pray that you can make something work. This is the first time I've really gotten frustrated trying to find something for this show. Really, like going back and searching multiple times and trying to find different websites or different subtitle tracks or something. And like, that's never a good sign for an episode to start with. But the movie ends up being good enough that, yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't suggest it. But if, when, hopefully it gets a re-release or something or somebody makes it available to be rented, definitely worth checking out. It's just, just a little... It's one step too far in the able to find it category. Even something like Charulada, a film that's from like the 60s, is easier to find than Granted on Criteria. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, until the next time you're on um, the Bollywood Cinema Club, where could people find you? Well, Chris, you can always find me and a whole lot of other great shows over at WeirdingWayMedia.com. It's the place to be, the place to get your entertainment, all free, all great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to plug Weirding Way Media because you just did, but BollywoodCinemaClub.com. Like, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. That's all you need to do to help us out and or uh, follow us on social media. There you go. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Chris, thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate talking to you about these films. Maybe the next one we watch won't won't be as hard to find. One can hope. (laughs) One can hope. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode. 